and welcome. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, our wonderful community radio partners all across the country and into outer space, uh, as well as our uh, podcast friends and all other types of listeners. I'm uh, going to throw now to Stefan, who's going to, uh, with Dave, Stefan and Dave are here, the two. That's true. Uh, and they'll be largely in charge for the next little while. Thank you so much. So we're going we're gonna to jump around a whole bunch uh, in today's show. Uh, and we'll, we'll, but, uh, but we're going to start, we're starting with, uh, what is the story that we covered pretty, pretty recently when the media was covering it. And I think it's important to, to talk about specifically because a lot of the time when something goes wrong or something happens or it's a big action, the, the media pays attention and then the media looks away. And, and what happens when the media looks away, I think, is incredibly uh, important and sort of speaks to the, some, some larger issues that wouldn't necessarily get covered if you only pay attention to the actual protest itself. So it's about Standing Rock uh, and an update on sort of the people who are involved, but we'll throw to Dave for the actual news. The human meat mill that is the United States injustice system continues its machinations, as Standing Rock water protectors are now facing long, aggressive legal battles, followed by years in jail for trying to guard their land from oil companies backed by military-style security details. During the 2016 protests against the building of the Dakota Access Pipeline through unceded indigenous territory and two major rivers, the tactics from private security teaming up with law enforcement included, but were not limited to, forced strip searching at the hands of captors, freezing water cannons in below, below zero temperatures, packing people into overcrowded pens, including pregnant women and the severely ill for low-level offenses, trained attack dogs, fire, sponge bullets, beanbag bullets, stinger rounds, tear grass grenades, pepper spray, mace, tasers, armored vehicles, and sound weapons. Activists are now being forced to accept harsh plea deals in order to avoid up to 10 years behind bars for participating in the protests. The legal crackdown gained steam after Donald Trump, who has been financially linked with the owners of the pipeline, ordered expedited approval of the project last year. In an October 2016 standoff, several fires were lit by unidentified protesters, and two men, Rattler and Littlefeather, faced a mandatory minimum of, of 10 years in prison. They decided to take a plea after surveys showed that locals eligible for jury seats were 82 to 94 percent prejudiced against the water protectors. Rattler said, quote, if you go to court in North Dakota, you are going to get convicted. Investigative reporting by The Intercept at the time showed that a private security group used military-style counterterrorism tactics infiltrating the protests and striking up relationships with the activists. A woman named Red Fawn Fallis faced a life sentence for allegedly shooting a gun that belonged to a paid FBI informant who had infiltrated the protesters, but the charges were reduced and she will likely receive seven years. Rattler cannot travel to any ceremonies or events with his case pending, causing his partner to remark, quote, that's been going on for hundreds of years, the federal government telling indigenous people where they can and can't go. They do it just because they can. Thank you. Um, so... <laughs> There's there's a couple pieces here um, that I that I wanted to to sort of highlight, and and not the least of which, of course, is just the the concerning level of which people the, the protesters, especially racialized protesters, are infiltrated and then uh, and then 
almost like again, like the fact that the the gun that was shot here uh, that, that was was owned by an FBI informant should be concerning in itself. You know, the, the idea that their FBI informant is bringing in weapons to an already volatile situation is should be should be a scandal. Like it, sh- it shouldn't be a thing that everyone's like, oh yeah, that's that's like that's the part of this story that should be at least the story along with other things. But that's that alone is concerning. Yeah, not only is there a specific word for that, but it is possibly the best word ever uh, spoken in English uh, of French, which is provocateur. Right. Yeah, and 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 and, and that and that kind of and that kind of action here is is is. It should be deeply concerning for people who care about, you know, like the the point of the uh, of the if if we're going to take the point of state power seriously, it should be always to de-escalate. And the concept that you're going to bring in weapons to a scenario like this is 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 deeply tr- should be deeply troubling to everyone involved. But that's not actually the that's 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 not the the bigger thing I want to get to. The bigger thing I want to get to really is what happens when people stop paying attention. Um, and, and what happens and how entrenched sort of these conversations can be, uh, especially as you sort of like, you know, if you sort of look at a little, a little wider lens, which is that these, these people, these protesters were peacefully protesting and by all accounts as, as, as Dave's, uh, recollect, uh, as Dave's, um, piece showed were, were put in a variety of uh, they were they were they were they were attacked in, in in a variety of ways to try to disperse them. Uh, you know the the most the most famous one was when they shot water cannons at them when it was I think negative when it was in freezing temperatures, uh, which you know put their lives worth. One of them, another person, one of the people was shot uh, by uh, by. Uh, um, by but by one of the people sort of uh, on the other side of the river, um, and and so these were people who were like they were peacefully protesting and who were assaulted in 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 a, in, a, in some direct ways. Uh, whether or not you believe that assault, the assault they faced was you know was justified within the land claims is is I don't agree with you, but is was within contention. However, what really concerning here, and and what I want really want to get to is the fact that after everyone looks away. All the all of all of the all of the private security people who did a number of things are still have jobs and carry on their lives, and the peaceful protesters are now getting three, seven, ten year sentences, and and this this can't this has to be understood within the context of when people are calling for people to peacefully protest. Like whenever there's a whenever there's a protest that seems to get too inconvenient, everyone is always like, well, you know, peaceful protest is how you should do this. And then when they do that, you violently disrupt them and then arrest them for seven to ten years. And so there comes to a place where you you you, you are refusing to give these people a effective way to to push back against your state power. And then as soon as the as soon as the eye of the of the press moves moves on, uh, you are ruining lives. And 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 these are not people who went there to to harm anyone. They went there to protect their land. They went there to be there, and they are getting, you know, they're getting three, seven, ten-year sentences. And and for some things, like one of the people is 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 charged for use of fire in a in a in a in, a, in an illegal act or something like that. And you know, it's it and in that in the in the way they're justifying that 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 claim is that some fires were set to disrupt the movements of of police by some people, and so they discharged whoever they figured it would be. By that logic, does that mean uh, 
I can't, obviously, but does that mean one of our American friends listening can march into the White House and arrest Donald Trump for reckless endangerment? Because <laughs> like, well, you can make that argument a hell of a lot better than you can make the argument they just made now. Well, well this is the thing, right? <laughs> and, and, then, and then the problem, of course, is that then you get to this problem that, is, that, that exists here in Canada, by the way, which is that the jury selection in these cases are terrible, uh, are, are, end up being terribly biased. And so there's no way to even get reasonable justice here except you're, you're, you're forced to take a plea deal. And and all of this seems to be coming. All this sort of cannot be uh, removed, in my opinion, from the concept in the sort of push that you see in the states right now for quote unquote civility. You know, like the the amount of times that 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 we're currently seeing in the United States right now, the push and the accusation that the left is being too mean, or you know, you can't, you let Sarah, you don't let Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders, the spokesperson for the Trump regime, to uh, to speak at to eat at a restaurant, and that is decried not only by the not only by the by the by the right, but by many powerful members on the left, and and that. Fails to understand how much more lived experience the people who are quote unquote being uncivil are than the people who are doing it. One of the greatest things I saw about about the comment um, around around Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, the the secretary of not the secretary of state, the press secretary uh, for Trump, uh, being divine service, was that it proved that most members of the media identified more as the press secretary for the United States than with the person in the, the cook who was maybe an immigrant or LGBTQ plus who would have to cook them dinner. Uh, and I think that points to this problem, which is that the call for civility so often is a call for quiet state violence. It's the word you're looking for. The word you're looking for is obedience. It's not civility. What they're asking for is obedience. Right. Well, they're, they're acting as I if, spoke. You listen. Shut up. Sit down. Well, it's obedience. Well, yeah. It comes down to sort of this. There's a there's a there's a good breakdown of the idea of respectability in or, or respect in that when that half the people when they use the word respect they mean respect my authority and half the people say respect me as a human mm-hmm. and then they get equated as if those are the same thing right and 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 this is the respect problem. my right to hate you right well exactly respect my right hey, you're being intolerant of my right to hate you well yeah like like literally like so here are like you know this is a set of people who disagreed with the government and so they peacefully protested and the government's response is not only will we violently disrupt you when you're there but we will ruin your life the, for the for the next three to ten years by putting you in prison because we can and there's no recourse there the 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 fact that this ends, that all these end up going to plea deals is this a direct line from you made the decision to peacefully protest uh, unceded territory you went to the you went on you you went there to to protest unceded territory uh, to disagree with the government in a in a way that is 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 protected you are protected you're you know in in in, in and then from that stance. They then charge you with something. You realize you weren't getting a fair trial, so you take a plea deal, and you end up with three to seven years of prison. And yet, the people who are literally living through this are told that they must still serve the food of the people who are doing this to them. This is this is the problem with that. Uh, you, know, you can't act as if civility uh, is not just a statement of power and a statement of power of the people who have it uh, against the people who who don't. And and so, like these kinds of protests, it happens everywhere. Protesters come in; they, the the the, uh, the the attention stops being paid attention. People stop paying attention to the protests, and then people's lives are ruined by the judicial system afterwards. And 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 this is the this is why 
you can't accept those sort of calls to civility because those calls to civility are also calls to respecting a truly unjust system. Uh, you know, like the people here who are in Rock will never have the opportunity and will never get the opportunity. And they knew they wouldn't get the opportunity to be tried by a judge of their peers. They'll be tried by they would be tried by an almost exclusively prejudiced uh, 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 set of seats. Eighty-two to ninety-four percent of people were deemed prejudiced. In well, these some are way. people who believe that they are being threatened by the protesters. That the indigenous protesters were somehow bringing on some sort of violent reckoning into their community by uh, standing up for their land. Well, well, they were. They brought on the entire security detail that brought mm. raging dogs. Like you know, let's be real here. The people who brought the guns and the dogs were the security company. Um, yeah, but they they see it as the protesters who are who are the aggressors and the true violent actors right and and this is and this and this is the problem the problem is power gets to decide what is violence and what is not and so the the people living in in, in North Dakota see the violence see violence as people as people sitting peacefully on land and yet the unbelievably violent reaction that the state had is is not seen as violence or it, that's seen as keeping the community safe mm-hmm. you know it is it, 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 it you see it you see it in all these types of blockade things um, but and that, that I was, mean, it, it is it is an Orwellian cognitive dissonance, as Saren pointed out. It's you're doing violence against my right to do violence. Yeah, you're doing violence against my stealing of your land. So, stop resisting you my aggression. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a right to resist my aggression. Mm-hmm. Is essentially the plain mm-hmm. plain reading of that. Well, yeah, like you know, it's 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 unceded territory. Uh, it, it would affect their lands in many other ways. And and as this as this whole system proves, like when you know, no one wants to go and. Like protest is the last resort. Protest is the, is uh, protesting, especially in this nature of going to this sort of like you know remote part of North Dakota. Um, like North Dakotans, I'm sorry, no one wants to go there on purpose. Uh, they 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 like they are going like it had been a while since you'd casually insulted <laughs> a random state of people. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> like, I, I was taken to look at my watch. I, I hadn't taken on a random state in a while. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just, I and had yet, despite to. this, we have increasingly more and more American listeners. Yeah. maybe they like the abuse. <laughs> maybe, so. yeah, maybe. They, <laughs> they also want to know the North. Uh, that I have a low opinion of North Dakota, um, but but here's the thing: like these the, the, these people went to this place beca- not because there was no other recourse. Like the courts had failed them consistently. Everything else had failed them consistently to do anything. So they were left with one recourse, which was to go and actually be on the territory that was unseated. And then in response, they are violently insulted, and then uh, and and then sent to and and then and then and then convicted as criminals and sent to prison. And this and this is a this should be a example of the ways and things we're trying to fix within a judicial system. Uh, you know, if if a number of people are are are, are this strongly and this clearly uh, disenfranchised from the system that is in place, then you must take action to fix that system rather than. You know, deciding that actually, no, they're the wrong ones. The system must be fine because the system says it's okay. We all got to be civil and hang out here. As consistently as people's, these like, the, these people's rights are being taken away. What's amazing is the military style intensity. I mean, there was one activist who said that uh, they were they were witnessing acts of war against them, and, and I don't see how you can refute that claim given the uh, the attacks. Um, the, the types of weapons and tactics that were used. And imagine if this was uh, a group of, um, you know, middle, middle class white Californians. Like, oh, this it happened, would be a completely different story. This happened at Berkeley? Like, like, th- like th- this, kind of, this kind of response at, on, on college campuses is what stopped the Vietnam War. 
right? Like that's that is that is the the, mm. the like those kinds of privileged people feeling this kind of response is what basically led to uh, you know the, the the level of protest required to stop the Vietnam yeah, War. Yeah, but they're indigenous and they're people of color who are sort of in North Dakota, a place that isn't all that sexy, being quietly brutalized by the state and then thrown into jail. Well, exactly, and and then and then and then the and then and while no one pays attention, right? Like the that's the thing about this is that the the press like this was in the Guardian, and and so I, I won't I can't slander all press because like we learned about this through the Guardian, obviously, but they've been they've done a very specific job consistently following up with Standing Rock, but the general press is totally moved on from this. Uh, and, and sorry, I have to add yeah. as well, the local press was absolutely complicit during the period when this was on our radar. They right. had daily, daily interviews with uh, the local senator who's in the pocket of all these oil companies, with the security people. With There was a parade of people to talk about how terrible protesters, and more importantly, to hear from the people who are profiting off uh, the projects that they're trying to push ahead coming on to and being asked questions by the local journalists. And in some cases, I'm not talking about some mom and pop shop, like the local uh, reporter for CNN or whoever, like establishment media, but the media that was being presented to the state, uh, having security people on or, or representatives from people who are in the pocket of the oil companies and being there asking them about what the positions of the protesters are mm. when like setting them up softball t-ball to then caricature and straw man these people's positions mm. and say well look how justified we are but well look even look who doesn't agree what a, how wrong they are well of course not when you're asking the person who's going to make 10 million dollars off kicking them off their land but so like the media was absolutely complicit now we can't as you're saying we can't say all the media is good or all the media is bad but it's 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 not lies this i have to i hate to break it to donald trump <laughs> the problem isn't lies the problem is bias Right, they're two entirely different things. Things happened that are true, and then you get them put through a filter. Very rarely are things fabricated in the news. Almost constantly are they heavily biased, and there's an important difference, and you need to know what it is. But if you're listening, like here's a level one, level one hundred class on this. If you're listening to a position being explained to you by someone who's against that position, and that's the only side you hear, you're not getting the whole story. False breaking news. You're not getting the whole story, and they're probably trying to mislead you. And there's probably a financial reason why. Mm. Easiest thing ever. Easiest analysis ever. <laughs> Uh, so we're, we're coming up to the the first music break. So, so I just wanna I wanna leave I wanna leave this on on, on, on sort of bring it back to the the one last point in civility, and in the in the in the importance of the fact that no one is 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 that the, the way that this is being used as a club to quiet the, the already marginalized, uh, with a very very brief uh, interlude with. Maxine Waters, who's a uh, who's a who's a Democrat in the United States, uh, basically uh, called Trump uh, or, or said that basically called for for Trump's administration to 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 not be able to like eat in other restaurants. Basically, she's sort of supported the, this red hand thing, and and she was denounced by again by the right and the left. Uh, not everyone, of course, but there was enough leadership on both sides that sort of said like that was that's unreasonable. We must be we must respect everyone. Blah blah blah. Trump responds, telling her that runs on Twitter saying that that she should be careful when she's outside uh, or that she should be careful. Uh, a, obviously, a, like like in, in context is a clearly a veiled threat, uh, not him personally, but more so just basing being like, you know, my supporters will, you know, might not let you eat food or whatever else. Um, and almost everyone ignores that. That goes by. Uh, in two days, a couple days later than that, both Trump and Maxine Waters are scheduled to speak. Trump speaks with not a problem. Maxine Waters has to cancel it because she receives death threats. 
Uh, this is the problem with this conversation. And in case you missed it, five journalists were shot yesterday. Yeah. Uh, only days after uh, a scumbag whose name I will not do him a favor by mentioning uh, was joke, quote unquote, joking about shooting journalists yeah. to his uh, right wing audience. Yeah. So, so this like there are there are times and places uh, to have conversations about civil discourse. Uh, but if you're using it as a way to silence people who are being actually marginalized rather than, uh, and, and then silent on things like when someone from Standing Rock gets seven years for, for being, for be falling into a relationship with an FBI informant, uh, I, I, I ask you to question your, the way you understand this. Uh, but it is now 1122, so we probably should head, uh, to our first music break. All right. We were back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CNUT 89.5 FM. And uh, I believe we have our correspondent. Are you now our Ottawa correspondent, Lauren Latour? Yes. Yeah, new title. It's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> we're just mixing it up. But just for the record, we're not having fun with titles. You do actually keep moving every time. We do. <laughs> <laughs> my apologies. Yeah. Well, yeah, my carbon footprint is, is massive. <laughs> <laughs> just want to be clear because we do have a long history of running gags on the show that this is not a gag. Yeah, she we, is actually <laughs> moving. Yeah, exactly. So keep ne- next week, she's not going to be Saskatoon correspondent, we think. Probably. Um, although, ironically, we are now going to actually ask you to comment about a story about our East again. So uh, we're hoping that you've, you've maintained some connection to the East Coast at least for the next, say, week or so. I have. Haven't completely severed those ties yet. <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay, so we'll, let's just jump right into the uh, to the story about uh, about the uh, what's going on in the Atlantic Ocean, Dave. So, uh, British British Petroleum Canada has spilled a synthetic drilling solution into the ocean only two months after beginning exploratory drilling off the coast of Nova Scotia. Mi'kmaq chiefs from the area are not quite saying "I told you so," since some 136,000 liters of drilling mud leaked into the water after a mechanical failure. Chief Terence Paul said, quote, we want to know how this could happen, what effect it could potentially have on our fisheries, and what they're going to do to address that. Incidents like this are unacceptable in Mi'kma'ki. British Petroleum assures us that they deeply regret the incident and that they want to make sure it doesn't recur, but they do not expect it to affect the project's timeline. While the company says the mud is non-toxic and has sunk to the ocean floor, it could still impact the surrounding ecosystem, smothering lower-lying organisms and fish eggs and larvae. Habitats in the past have taken five years to recover from drilling, even when there has been no such spill. Jesse Simon, head of a consultation group representing the Mi'kmaq of New Brunswick, said, quote, I have no faith in a system that is not outwardly involving indigenous stakeholders from the get-go. British Petroleum appears to believe that there will be no environmental impact whatsoever. That, like, that seems... Uh, 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 no environmental impact? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Lauren, l- l- let's give you first word. Yeah, so like, um, took all of 65 days for this operation to, to result in catastrophe. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, yeah, so... so um, yeah, David had quoted Anita Perry, who is uh, the BP Nova Scotia regional manager, and um, and she was quoted as saying, prior to drilling, we did not identify any corals or any species that could be damaged. And it's like, just because it's not like beautiful, charismatic megafauna that like stars in like Finding Nemo and <laughs> Blue Planet 2 doesn't mean that it's not an organism like worthy of your respect and protection and and, and 
and it doesn't mean that it doesn't play like an integral part in an ecosystem. So I don't know this whole idea that, that there weren't any species that could possibly be damaged. It's like, that's trash. You know, it's like, that's ridiculous. It's, it's utterly absurd. Um, I would like for the sake of the listeners just to offer a complete and exhaustive list of all things with no environmental impact. (laughs) (laughs) That is all. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Carry on. No, 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 no worries. Um, Yeah, there's a professor at Dalhousie um, School of Resource and Environmental Studies who who was quoted in in the article that has been referenced so far. Um, I can't recall his name. I feel bad about that. But, um, But yeah, basically what he was saying was it's sort of based on his understanding of the project and the research he had done. The impacts could spread over a kilometer from the site. Um, yeah, like David said, smothering bottom-dwelling life forms. And, um, and like, because um, there are lots of different species, like fish, who, who lay their eggs and larvae in the seabed. It's not just that, like, lobsters are out of luck here, though, like, as if it wasn't already <laughs> difficult enough to be a lobster in Nova Scotia, now you're coated in, in drilling mud. Um yeah, so so who knows what kind of effects this is going to have on the ecosystem there? And it's and like I said, it's sixty five days in. This certainly won't be a complete end to the drilling. I mean, it's it's halted for at least a couple weeks, but I'm sure they'll be back at it again super soon. Um, yeah, and and when you get down to this drilling mud, it's really hard to find any information on the chemical makeup of it. Um, they BP rather had the option to use a water based um, substance, hmm. but opted for the synthetic chemical based one because it um, has a higher heat tolerance and, um, and is a little bit better at holding up to gas buildup, from what I understand. But, um, but yes, I'm, I'm not even too sure what the chemical makeup of, of this substance is, but it undoubtedly has petroleum in it. So, um, like, good choice there with all of with all of your mud options. Yeah. Uh, so Tony Walker is the uh, professor from Dalhousie that you're referencing. Okay. Um, thank you. No worries. Um, and, and yeah, and, and this is like uh, what to, to sort of jump off briefly on that. I love the main quote. I, I, you scroll down through this, you know, you know, there's always like, you know, the sort of classic way that CBC does articles. So you can scroll down. There's, you know, a couple larger, larger block text. And the only quote that makes larger block text just reads, we regret it happened. <laughs> and and a part of me thinks that that's that's what the Standing Rock protesters were missing was what they should have done instead of actually going and being there and taking care of the land. They should have just dumped one hundred thirty six thousand tons of mud on it mm, and then right. walked away and said, or one hundred thirty six thousand liters, sorry, uh, of, of, of 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 synthetic mud on it, and then just said, "We regret it happened." Uh, because it seems if that's the only that's the only recourse that's going to happen. Like there's there's, there's no part of this makes me think that these folks are now. No one is going to jail for this. Uh, almost certainly, it's not even clear if anyone's I'm even being sure fined of, for this. I'm pretty sure protesters are going to jail. Step. Oh well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> like you said, no one. I'm just right, being okay, accurate. Right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> and you know, and these are and like when you go back to wondering why a set of people. Uh, would end up going to Standing Rock to protest it directly. It's that when when the other options, when you work through the system, when you when you when you when you're quote unquote consulted, and then this happens, and the other side can literally just say we regret it happened. Mm-hmm. That would be why they that is the cause and that that is the cause of the of, of of the protests. Like if you don't if you really have an issue with protesters, then include them in the system earlier so you don't create things for them then to need to protest. Exactly. And and, and it's just yeah, it's one of these things where it's like as you as you get more and more of these things, especially and again, this is another example a little bit of it's you know, it's on the it's in the Atlantic Ocean. 
you know, like North Dakota is 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 a is is a relative rural place, and so there's not a lot, you know, high density of people. Uh, and in the same way that an ocean uh, is even less high density people, and so it's even easier to almost ignore. Um, and and you know, and like, and then so as you get these these uh, as as these as these drilling rigs get further and further away from sort of traditional human civilization, it feels as if we pay less and less attention. Uh, There's another aspect on that too, just as far as the like resisting industry thing too, which uh, in in, in the theme of the types of comments we've been making today as well is that there's a whole game going on here too. In addition to the media game and and about you know only having one side on to then caricature other people's positions and and yes we all agree these protesters are really terrible and they have no real point they're just anarchists and screw them uh, is also the idea of the fact that all of these physical battles like there there has to be a point for people to to resist right so they 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 can't resist at the board meeting well I mean they physically can but it's not best use of resources to try and barge into a board meeting so you go to the site right like there's specific places where you can do that but people don't have the time and resources to travel all over the country individual human me go to 50 different pipelines right so each local group has a small amount of people who have the uh the wherewithal the knowledge and the capacity to offer some form of, of visible resistance in the in the sense that the, it's all they can do but that one company gets to be everywhere all at once right they have an entire department on marketing this stuff and so when they cry like oh well little old me protesters like it's not it's not just silly it's also insidious because it's intentional because they want all these fights to be them versus a hundred groups of five people not them versus one group of ten thousand people and that so this is like it's strategic it's not an accident that this is how this works out well and i would i would say that if you want to see where you know like what things like this are the reason why no one wants to see the you know in in five years a headline of you know Kinder Morgan spills in brackets we regret it happened you know like th- it, it already it, happened last week well exactly <laughs> you don't have to wait five right, years right well exactly you know, and and then these are the you know and and so that is when that is that is why you see the sort of this sort of fight up front is to is to you know is to because. Because they know the the response after it's built is something like this, the res- when the response is so weak once you've already started going, that's why there's so much pressure up front to not even let it get 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 begun, and people who sort of don't and I think it's often the sort of those who have who are more entrenched power those who are more entrenched power in these systems. Are are always like let's just be civil, we'll work through the process. But the process for them is just leads to them getting what they want, and then being able to apologize afterwards and and face the consequences. Um, and so uh, there's we have. I would like to get to that other the other ocean store if you can. But uh, do you have any last thoughts on this, Lauren, or anything we want to? Is there a next step or follow up that we have or anything like that? Um, I don't really have any anything else that's too pressing to talk about. I guess I would just recommend. To listeners, if they're if they're interested in learning more about the story, um, Council of Canadians um, are one of the organizations that are mounting resistance to the project on the East Coast. So, if you want to learn more about what they're doing and ways you can support them and and be involved, check out the Council of Canadians Atlantic page. Awesome, thank you so much. Um, and uh, and so so what's funny about this is that we're we're carrying on that the Atlantic Ocean is both under threat from this from this project and from many projects. It's also growing, which is also terrifying. Good news, Dave. What's up with that? <laughs> Scientists are discovering how the edges of the Arctic Ocean are warming and beginning to fill with new salt, a process that could eventually make the area indistinguishable from the Atlantic. The hot spot for the change is the northern Barents Sea, which has warmed by 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit since the year 2000. 
The area typically fills with melting freshwater ice, which keeps its salinity down and its surface temperatures below freezing. But the ice is increasingly non-returning, which is known to cause drastically cold winters through Europe and Asia. <clears throat> The colder, fresh water usually sits at the top part of the sea, while the warmer, saltier water sits below, a phenomenon called ocean stratification which happens in most of the Arctic region. Scientists are calling the situation an historically rare moment where we witness a large body of water being completely transformed from Arctic to Atlantic type. Jet streams are thrown off by the warming water, causing abnormal weather through Eurasia. The warmer air above the iceless oceans can strengthen the high-pressure systems on the northern coast of Europe and Russia, which causes the polar jet stream to glide further south and cause anomalous weather patterns such as the harsh winter storms witnessed last year. Scientists do expect the phenomenon to get worse in coming years. <laughs> Thanks, scientists. Um, you know, like, here's the... This is a fascinating story because I, I, I think actually when it, come down, when it comes down to sort of climate change pieces and the parts you, I, I think people should be really paying attention to, not that you should pay attention to everything, but again, it's a lot of work. Um, if you want to know the thing that's most likely to create the sort of day after tomorrow type uh, you know, swings of, of truly unexpected or, or un, 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 unplanned, uh, unable to plan for uh, changes, it's things like this. It's jet streams. It's ocean currents. Uh, you know, it's, it's these pieces. And in the Arctic, which should be stressed, is warming faster than any other part of the world. Uh, we're warming faster at the poles than we are in the rest of the world. And so these kind of changes will be the first things to sort of hit us. But the, the piece there where it says that it, it impacts sort of the jet streams is, is very important uh, because those are the types of things that, that, that th those impact entire weather systems. And, and it's, and it's, it should be the thing that I think people really pay attention to. Uh, and these types of little, like when, the, when, there's, when there's uncertainty within sort of climate models, it's almost always within the context of, of these types of sort of, well, if this happens, then this might happen, and that might cause this third thing. Um, and, 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 and no one really knows exactly what would happen, say, if a jet stream ends up changing, or, or there's recent news, of course, about the... About the one of the major ocean currents actually reversing course, which would make, which would basically make uh, Britain freeze. Uh, and, and, and those are, and these are the things sort of like these little things that, that may not, that incrementally don't seem like a big thing, but monumentally at the end do. Um, any, any, Lauren, any thoughts on, on, on our wonderful science lesson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess it's just, um, I remember like being in like first year, like intro to geography class in university. And one of the things that, that was continually repeated are like the risks of these feedback loops. And, and when you get, like you said, when you get things like this happening, when, when currents start to reverse and the Arctic ocean really starts to warm and potentially become the Atlantic, I don't know. Um, but w once these feedback loops are triggered, we don't know how quickly exponential warming is going to start kicking in. So I, I think like we're sort of, I think we finally sort of reached that precipice where it's like, it's not just going to be a, like a couple percentage, like percent degrees of warming every year. Like I think, I think we're kind of starting to, I don't know, we have the potential to really start to nosedive in the next few years if, if these feedback loops start to kick in. Um, yeah, I believe that. And that's really scary. Like it's, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a climate scientist. I don't <laughs> technically have all the jargon and knowledge, but it's, 
it sounds really frightening. I have a little piece of jargon. I was I also recall a uh, first year course we had to take. <clears throat> they uh, they called the notion chaos theory, where you can never quite tell precisely uh, how close uh, you are to the brink of a of a of a system changing entirely. Was that first year university or just? Jurassic Park. About chaos uh, everything I know about science, I learned from Jeff Goldblum personally. So. <laughs> well, he's a scientist in so many things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I love Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is like the only bright spot in <laughs> uh, the. But but yeah, exactly. Yeah, this type of that type of, of of monumental shift, especially within some of these systems that we don't that we don't have maps for. Right. Like so much of our our our, our climate understanding comes from previous. From studying, you know, previous climates, and so as we get further and further away from what are or what are what a understandable climate is, we 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 have a harder and harder time preparing for what might happen, uh, and these types of things are are uh, are quite uh, are scary. Shall we say? Um, uh, but uh, we're heading into the next music break, uh, and so I, Lauren, I'll give you another another chance for last thoughts. Uh, I will note that uh, pre, uh, our 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 pre our ugh, I still can't even. I still can't even get him out. Our premier Doug Ford <laughs> uh, just announced his cabinet uh, the, like in, during this show, um, and and so Rod Phillips uh, is going to be the environment. Oh, they, now it's the of course they've changed the name. It's no longer the, the car, they've removed climate change from the title. It's now uh, he, he's now ahead of environment and parks. Because you know, forget climate change is mattering, but the parks, everyone, the parks. Well, really, no, it's it's, it's <laughs> the implication there is to reframe the agency and its entire operation as a essentially a public cosmetic department. I, yeah. I am not I'm not reading tea leaves yeah, here. Yeah, I'm just right. saying like I'm just analyzing the name change, uh, and in mim- and and looking at the 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 template we've had from Scott Prude in the EPA and the into, uh, with our friends of the South. Uh, is that the idea here is not to make everybody freak out or to try and prevent everyone from freaking out by not shutting down the agency. You just tweak its name so that you can tweak its focus so it's still doing stuff about the environment, but it's like, hey, that's technically in the environment. We should have a party there or a park there or this would be this environment would be more useful to our economy as a parking lot. Like it's, they're reframing the context of what that department does, not just oh, renaming yeah. it. In, yeah. in my opinion, it's a pin, it's an opinion, but well, I'm extremely confident of that. Well, opinion. they're clearly get, they're, <laughs> they're getting rid of they're getting rid of their, you know, of, of, of the of their only control of climate change. Right. So they're they're ceding control of climate change to the federal government. And so that's what we're doing. But anyways, sorry, Laura. Uh, Lauren, any last thoughts uh, before we go to music break? Yeah, that is, uh, Rod Phillips was, was exactly what I was going to comment on. I was actually going to invite any listeners who might have any information on him to, to to maybe shoot us an email and let us know, because in a quick Google, all I could really find out was that he's an MPP out of Ajax, former head of the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Commission, and uh, <laughs> yeah. former head of Post Media, so... Yeah, he, he's, he's like, of the we environment. Are, we are going to be gambling with the environment. So it's fitting. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I'm with you actually, Lauren. I was reading up on it as well, and there seems to be like it. It it's almost it feels as if they just liked him, so they gave him a file. There's almost I, I don't know where the thought process, you know, uh, from uh, from his his work. But anyways, uh, yep. I yeah. bet we'll find out a whole lot about him real soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you have any other new information about him, do please do let us know. Um, yeah, email, and, email suggestions, content, and and uh, 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 secret uh, uh, opposition research uh, can be sent to us at the greenmajority.ca. Yeah. <laughs> of course, joking about the phrasing of the last part there, but uh, uh, not only a little. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Yes. Uh, and let's uh, Megan to our next music break. 
and welcome back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, our wonderful community radio partners all the way across the country and into outer space, as well as our friends on our podcast, which you can find at greenmajority.ca. Wow, I got through that whole thing without a stutter today. Off well to done. you, Stefan. All right. Thank you so much. So we've got two stories we want to cover uh, before the end of the show. So we're going to run right into the first one, briefly talk about it, run to the second one, and then we'll, we'll finish with the show talking about both. So Dave, what do we got? A federal judge has thrown out a lawsuit from San Francisco and Oakland, which was trying to hold fossil fuel companies liable for the costs of dealing with environmental and climate problems brought about by their industries. The ruling could have implications for many similar suits filed across the United States. While Judge William Alsup did acknowledge the science of climate change and the subsequent planetary risk, as did the fuel companies, he did not agree that his court was the right place to seek climate solutions. He wrote, quote, The problem deserves a solution on a more vast scale than can be supplied by a district judge or a jury in a public nuisance case. The judge said the court will, quote, stay its hand in favor of solutions by the legislative and executive branches. The chief executive for the National Association of Manufacturers said, quote, from the moment these baseless lawsuits were filed, we have argued that the courtroom was not the proper venue to address this global challenge. It was ultimately ruled that the companies could not be held accountable for paying for the problems of climate change because we have all caused global warming together and benefited from the cheap fuel supplied by these companies. Judge Alsup said, quote, our industrial revolution and the development of our modern world has literally been fueled by oil and coal. Without those fuels, virtually all of our monumental progress would have been impossible. Would it really be fair to now ignore our own responsibility in the use of fossil fuels and place the blame for global warming on those who supplied what we demanded? Yes. <laughs> Is it really fair, Oh, sorry, Sarah, you weren't finished. <laughs> in the light of those benefits, to say that the sale of fossil fuels was unreasonable? The president of Chevron said, quote, reliable, affordable energy is not a public nuisance, but a public necessity. The suits were based on the idea that companies could be held responsible for the adverse impacts of their activities that their activities had on the use of property, citing the offending industries as public nuisances. In 2011, the Supreme Court ruled that Obama's Clean Air Act turned the issue into a federal problem to be handled by the EPA, which meant that no nuisance claim for the environment could be made in a federal court. Since then, cities and counties have attempted to use the nuisance argument at the state level, and fossil fuel companies have in turn tried to raise the suits to the federal jurisdiction. Judge Alsup had previously suggested that federal courts could still hear those cases and requested a rare climate science briefing before making his decision. Another federal judge working in the same building has also sent related cases back down to the state court, which are still pending. A climate law expert at Columbia University said Judge Alsup was, quote, focusing on the need to balance the benefits of energy production against the harms of climate change, a balancing act carried out not only by the U.S. government, but also by governments all around the world. I got two very quick things. First thing. It does not surprise me at all that Chevron has decided that it uh, that it that the courts are the place to do because Chevron has shown an ongoing and consistent lack of appreciation for any courts. Uh, also, now you, that it owns the EPA, it's thrilled to have the EPA being the one to decide <laughs> what the rules are. Well, it, like Chevron, you owe Ecuador billions of dollars still. Uh, maybe maybe pay uh, maybe pay to help clean up the Texaco Chevron lawsuit that's been going on for decades now. Um, Is that and, an oil spill? 
It's an oil. It was an oil spill which they failed to clean up. Uh, which is on, they literally there's a part on Chevron's website about the law Ecuador lawsuit because it has been going on for so long, mm-hmm. uh, and they've consistently re- they've been fighting that and refusing to pay. Uh, and it's. It's 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 it's, one, it's an example. It, this is a side, an aside. It's mostly just like I have a beef with Chevron, uh, but they've they've consistently sort of had this. Uh, this is an example of a large company being able to have a le- protracted lead battle against a nation that does not have the same kind of resources, and that's what's going on there. Uh, second point, uh, which is, it is one thing to say that like yes, if I sold you uh, cigarettes um, and, and you smoked them, can I be blamed for your cancer is a, you know, is a, is a, is a common argument. However, if I spent 20 years denying that cigarettes did anything bad for you, spending spending billions billions of dollars dollars to do so, (laughs) and then you got cancer. Yeah. Maybe you could sue me in the same way that maybe that in the same way that, you know, like this, this particular legal case was not exactly what Exxon knew or some of these other pieces. However, though, like that, that, that fundamentally makes it changes, I think, culpability conversations. And it's really on that exact same point. I'm I'm a little rusty on my cigarette uh, uh, legislation and mm. and uh, uh, legalizing of that issue. But uh, if memory serves, they essentially the cigarette industry essentially conceded by settling that out of court. I, I, I'm mm. I'm I'm oversimplifying to the point of possibly getting little details wrong. Yeah. But basically, that was a quote unquote settled out of court because they essentially conceded that that they were liable and agreed. And that's when a whole bunch of legislation happened, right? So the, a lot of those cases didn't finish. Again, I'm really rusty on my history mm. there. But essentially, like they were proven in court to be to be to be liable in a way or were forced because they were uh, expecting to be that to be the result sort of voluntary conceded so to to even referencing that i am absolutely flabbergasted that the lawyer in this case didn't say uh you know didn't make that argument that that this was say well you voluntarily did this yes but i can't be held liable if i did something under false pretenses yeah right it's it's like saying well it's not my fault that you died when you fell through the floor in your house I say, yes, but because you bought the house was like, yes, but you built it and Uh you assured me. And in fact, I have it in writing here and you paid people to go on the news and tell me that my house was built to code. So I have to take your word for that. Hmm. Right. And in that case, you would absolutely be done. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a legal reason here, but just like conceptually as a non lawyer, uh, from from far away, I'm flabbergasted that they didn't uh, that they didn't take that route because the judge basically gives you the argument that you should be making in his decision. Yeah, and, and again, this is a lot of that is an example of why this particular climate lawsuit is not every climate lawsuit, and expect these to continue in a variety of different ways. Uh, but I really want to get to the last story because the last story is funny because if that first story was how Exxon is 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 or, or how oil companies are trying not to pay for things, uh, this is a story weirdly about how a couple of oil companies are trying to pay for things, or at least trying to make you pay for things. Um, someone should pay. Someone should pay. Uh, so, <clears throat> renowned climate scientist James Hansen has found himself in agreement with Republicans and oil companies such as ExxonMobil and Shell as Republicans have put forward a proposal to deal with greenhouse gas pollution through a carbon dividend system. The carbon dividend is a tax on carbon pollution where all the revenue is simply given in cash back to ordinary citizens to spend on whatever they desire, rather than having the government spend the money on green energy initiatives and efficiency efforts. The Baker-Schultz plan, named after former Republican senators, proposes to start carbon pricing at $40 per metric ton of emissions, with the price rising over time. The average family in the U.S. would be given around $2,000 in the first year, meant to offset the higher energy costs resulting from the system. 
Experts are optimistic that the scheme would be popular once people started getting the money. But if the scheme is successful, of course, people will receive less and less money over time as emissions go down. The plan also protects fossil fuel companies against lawsuits holding them accountable for climate change and replaces existing regulation of coal and gas plants. Supporters of the plan claim it would be more effective in reducing carbon emissions than all of Obama's regulations combined. And and again, what's interesting about this is that they're this is literally the like they're this is Republicans advocating for a price on carbon, uh, and that is good news. Um, this is this is Republicans with a set of uh, of large organizations pushing for a price on carbon, and I, and a big part of this, of course, is like this is Exxon and Shell uh, advocating for for a for a price on carbon uh, that is that would be. A way for them to not be the ones to pay for it, basically. At this point, and I think this is this is, is this is valuable to think about from a standpoint of where where we end up with this, uh, w- w- like when climate regulation does uh, does occur, which because it will eventually occur. <laughs> it almost certainly at this point might be too late, might be too little, but we're going to have a price on carbon globally at some point. That's we are moving in that direction, and and what's interesting is right now you're seeing businesses being much further along, b- accepting that fact than 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 legislatures, Let, and especially currently our leaders. You know, you, you look at you know look at you know we have Doug Ford, you have you have Donald Trump, uh, you have Jason Kenney, uh, all of whom are sort of you know pushing back against the price on carbon, uh, and and then and then of course Andrew Scheer sort of claims that price on car- Trudeau's price on carbon is bad, and but we will fix it, but gives no real. Uh, strong suspicion as to how, and and this system is 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 somewhat it, it like it's interesting in that it's somewhat regressive uh, as a tax idea, um, in that it's sort of you know it's just it's charging everyone everyone's prices will increase uh, because of carbon and then the, the amount of but everyone gets the same amount of money back. Uh, so you know, so if you are if you are a billionaire who's using a ton of carbon, you'll be paying more, I guess, generally because you're paying more into the process because you'll be using more carbon. But at the same time, you're still getting the same amount of money back as someone who is living, you know, who's just living above the poverty line. And and yet, still, it's a price on carbon being supported by by Republican legislatures and um, and 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 industry. And they're not wrong. Like the, the last line saying that this would w- reduce emissions by more than Obama's regulations, that is probably true. But the reason why they couldn't get it passed in the first place was because of the opposition of groups like this. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is not this kind of carbon dividend process and its idea is is not a uh, you know, it's not something just that, that happened out of the blue. Um, and the reason why we don't currently, the reason why Obama had to do what he did was we wasn't given the power to actually, you know, put a price on carbon. There was a, there was a, there was a plan for cap and trade, an American wide cap and trade plan that was end up being killed when Democrats controlled both Congress and the Senate because of opposition from Republican lawmakers and, 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 and then again, the Democrats in coal states like West Virginia. Um, and yet, and yet this, all of these systems, all of these things still, don't change the fact that, like, I think if you see a Democratic uh, gov- uh, uh, senator, a Democratic leader in 2020, um, they should just get on this immediately. Like, this should be the first thing they do, um, mm-hmm. and find maybe find a way to better to give out the money in, in a slightly different way. But like, 
if you've got some bipartisan support, if you've got the support from 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 Exxon and and, and Shell and, and big businesses, you, that should be enough cover to get this thing passed. Uh, and if you don't, you've 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 lost the last window of hope, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like again, I don't think this particular plan is necessarily the you know the one to save it all. It, given the fact that it's got this, such wide ranging support, I imagine it's actually quite weak uh, and and does not have some of the sort of you know the price on carbon where, where it would need to be to really to really start pushing things. But getting a price on carbon first is what matters because mm-hmm. then if you're raising the price on carbon, that's a way to ensure the dividends keep being the same price, right? You're giving more money because you're getting more money back in, and then yes, as 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 it, as, as we decrease it, it will, it will decrease, but then ideally at that point you've given yourself enough time to find other ways to sort of to actually pay for it can i completely sidetrack us for the last minute i want to end on an opportunity a moment of hope and i have a moment of hope it is related to today's show but i do i do apologize so you were talking about politics in 2020 there was a really incredible uh race i want to congratulate uh alexandria ocasio-cortez who was a the youngest uh, person uh, to uh, win an upset, I'm not sure on the specific details, but she ousted uh, the potentially next in line uh, for Nancy Pelosi's job. Yeah, John <laughs> she is Crowley. essentially uh, she, get this. So if you're if you haven't been following this, she's basically Bernie Sanders, but 28 years old, a, uh, a Spanish American uh, woman from the Bronx. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we didn't like the nice, uh, kindly old Jewish man version. Mm-hmm. So now you got the uh, extremely smart, extremely powerful. Uh, uh, potentially ready to fight version. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's some hope because um, this, you know, she's not going on the news talking about it this, this way very strategically, but the, these are part of the Justice Democrats who have want to get money out of politics. They absolutely are uh, fighting very honestly and earnestly for like social justice, very concerned about climate change. And they are off, the, when they're not on the TV cameras, they're pretty open about the fact, because uh, there's a whole movement in the, in the US there, uh, about a hostile takeover of the Democratic Party from mm-hmm. the corporate uh, so if you need a little bit of hope today, the reason I wanted to mention it was earlier we were talking about people getting sidelined by the news. It's often hard to see because when the, especially a new politician gets thrown off um, and the and the trick works by the journalist, you don't notice it because you just go, oh, well, look how embarrassing that person is about that opinion. I'm going to post the video today. She was, for 20 years old, never been in politics before. And a CNN. Uh, 28 years old. 20 years old. A CNN host, CNN host, not Fox News, CNN host tries to completely like just embarrass her and make her irrelevant. And she deals with it so deftly that it, only when this happens, only when somebody properly responds to this sort of thing, can it can it expose just how obvious the trick is, right? You can only tell when it doesn't work. So I'm gonna I'm gonna post that. If you need a moment of opportunity and hope today, check out the show's post. We're not gonna play it on the show. Check it out on the show post, greenmajority.ca. That's all the time we have for. Thank you so much to Dave and Megan and to Stefan and to our listeners and to Lauren and to you for listening. Take care, have a good green week. 